Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sloppy Lab. Uh, I'm JT Russell, and I'm here tonight with the man who wants you to know that for mere $34.57, you can be his friend on the Master Vault per month, per month, $34.57 per month. And (laughs) I am, of course, talking about Quick Draw, 3457. Hey, Quick Draw, welcome, welcome. It's good to be back. I feel like I've been gone forever, but I've been gone for one week. Time flies. Time flies. Time, time flies when when I'm not hanging out with you. That it does. Although I know you were not having access to your decks while you were away from us. <laughs> and I'm sure time was crawling. <laughs> Chaos ensued. As soon as I go off the grid, like on vacation, virtually like no phone signal half the time, all of a sudden I'm getting like pinged with messages about how like all of your decks could be stolen. And like, <laughs> these doomsday scenarios from the Master Vault. Um, I wasn't too worried. I don't really have anything that's like highly sought after by the community, but I definitely went home and uh, almost immediately scanned my favorites, particularly like my Hexad decks, things like that. And mm-hmm. uh, I lucked out 460 some decks and zero were stolen. I I will admit I've not scanned everything. I'm at about 10%, 10% scanned. I did the math too. And with the rate limiting on the kind of Master Vault API, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to take me two or three hours to see yeah. everything. Uh, I probably spent hour, hour and a half over two sessions doing it. And the rate limiting definitely got in the way. I was in a rhythm, you know, like pulling things out and scanning them. And it's like one every five seconds slowed me down. There was that thing too with the, um, with cameras, not like, uh, not focusing just right. And I, I hadn't hit with it. I'm like, Ooh, I'm glad I'm not having any of these camera focusing issues. And then yeah. I started, started experience it and kind of like, well, going to slow this train down. We're just going to mm. put it away and see if it clears itself up in a, in a minute or two. But. I've actually had much more success with the Ghost Galaxy uh, Master Vault than I did with FFGs. I thought the oh, camera and the, the scanners way better. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think part of that, part of that is too that maybe just the error messaging is better on the Ghost Galaxy one. Like I feel like the FFG one would fall over and just kind of be like, yeah, something went wrong. You're like, well you scan like five times something went wrong okay yeah but at least the ghost galaxy one will be like yeah this is this five second window thing maybe you should you know maybe you should get a coffee or something <laughs> <laughs> well the problem is you get a coffee and it's not like you like can suddenly scan them faster like yeah. it doesn't take takes more than five seconds to get a coffee if there's something you could do in that five second period mm-hmm. to like make it more efficient but there's just not i i can't complain it took me a relatively short amount of time to scan all mine Happy to have that done. And yeah, you mentioned uh, renting out Master Vault accounts. I guess you probably saw the uh, latest episode of uh, what's the the new podcast that D House hosts. It's on YouTube. Um, shoot, it's I, I should have had this queued up. It's a gaming podcast. I just listened to it today, and they were kind of going through the different scenarios. I'm gonna find it because that's just not fair to those guys that I don't um, kind of like give them a shout out because they did talk a lot about the possibility of renting out decks yeah. um, just to be like a friend in the master vault for uh, a couple of days. And it's an interesting question. Um, unplayable is the name of unplayable the, uh, from the chat. Series. Thanks data for stream too. Yeah. Oh, I, I got it just at the same time. Thank you. Data for stream. <laughs> yeah. Uh, unplayable it was a really good. Listen. Um, they talked about it. I think it was today. It came out. Um, cool episode. Give them a watch on YouTube. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, they seem kind of concerned about the ability to, rent decks out like that and rent out friendships. And I don't think it's an issue. Um, I think the way that they kind of went at that problem was like from the the premise that there are decks that 
everyone will want to borrow or rent. And I don't know if I believe that. I think there are more good decks out there than we think there are. And I don't think everyone needs to borrow Pink Fraud in order to have a chance mm. at a Vault Tour. So I don't really think this is... Mm. I'm, I'm not super worried about it yet either. And I also... And here's the other thing, you know, I feel like if it becomes, if it gets to a point where it's problematic, I mean, it's, it's not like, I mean, it's not like GG's uh, just going to ignore, ignore if it becomes an issue. Like, so uh, if it becomes an issue, it will not be an issue. It will, it will cease being an issue as soon as it becomes an issue is kind of my feeling on it. I think they've, they've shown that they're being responsive and trying to do the right things and iterating school and, and we'll get to a good spot when yeah. the dust settles. So it's kind of. GG is very good at iterating, I will say. They they try something new, they take what works with it and what doesn't, and then they kind of change the parts that don't. So they've done a great job. You know, it's not 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 everything's been perfect. Um I, I very I'm very much lamenting uh, our international friends who don't have any wins of exchange yet. I, I think that's kind of normal though, from what I understand, from a lot of these game found and Kickstarter kind of things. So um, you know, we're not gonna we're not rubbing it in tonight but we are going to talk quite a lot about winds of exchange um gonna share <laughs> some of our decks um probably pop this one here that's just dying to be opened on stream tonight yeah i i, I feel for them hopefully you guys can get some uh some vicarious and pop these open and talk about it and kind of on that note we had all these these really good like high quality content ideas lined up we kind of figured like you know the world's kind of in a let's revel in let's revel in winds of exchange mode. So we're going to, we're going to totally just, we're just going to do it. We're just going to do that tonight. So that's what's on deck. There's going to be spoilers. We're going to be holding back nothing. So uh, if you unfortunately are not in a position to be opening decks right now yourself, and you want to be waiting for, for one reason or another, then no hard feelings. If you want to skip this one, we'll see you on the other side. Yeah. And you have some data for us, some science in the, uh, the video right now in the chat, you've, already opened three displays as i understand <laughs> you have a you have a problem oh my gosh so i had uh six displays in total from from the various pledges and i, I had them all I had all six sitting unopened up until yesterday and i was like i'm holding out it's gonna be fine i'm gonna place some sealed with these gonna get lots of value out of opening them and then i think it was i'm, I'm gonna blame bihawk bihawk was like you know you just gotta you just gotta enjoy it you know, you're you're gonna get it through your system. So I opened one display, started going through them. I was like, you know, I'll wait till I get something cool. And I kept getting cool things and kept opening more. And then well, one more display. And then we were like, you know what? We're gonna talk about it on stream. This is for science. This is for yeah, science. Open right. one more. I I appreciate your sacrifice <laughs> to the to the content here. It's um someone's got to do it. I'm just thankful that it was you and not me. But uh, to that to that point too, uh, I started putting some of the info from the decks that I was opening into a little spreadsheet. The stuff that I could get, you know, programmatically very quickly is in there complete, in complete form. The stuff that I was kind of manually inputting is only partially in there. Uh, but I think there's some interesting stuff nonetheless. So, you know, we'll take a look at that. Um, maybe we'll look at uh, some of our initial impressions too. And uh, I don't know if we have any hot take updates. Man, I, I think my hot takes are coming back to bite me because I had said that I thought Sarian was going to be like the worst any house has been. And <laughs> the reason it's coming back to bite me is not necessarily because I was wrong, but because I think nine or seven out of eight decks I've opened so far have been Saurian. And only one of them I, I kind of like, and I'll talk about that one a bit later. Um, and it's mm -hmm. all thanks to the token that it comes with, which is a Saurian token. 
Uh, yeah, I'm kind of hoping to slow the roll on Sarian in this um, the rest of my three displays, two and a half, I guess I have left now. And this guy I'm really hoping is not another Sarian. So in the data you come up with, like I think the first thing that I immediately asked you about, and I think you said it's probably the most interesting thing, is the, uh, the token generators. How yeah. many token generators are people seeing? It looks like you've only been able to get through like seven of these so far. And I also heard through Fabulousing and the Sanctimonious server that um, the average is somewhere between like six and 10. And uh, I have a deck with 13, which apparently is extremely high. So I'm very pleased with that. It's one of my namesake yeah. decks too. The handful that I counted up were uh, came to 10 at the high end. Uh, actually 12. I had one that had 12. And three of those 12 were also recurring ones. At least three of the 12 were also recurring ones. So let me, let me pop that open real quick. And reminder again that this is spoiler town. So uh, you've been warned. In the Equidon side, there are three copies of Higher On, which feels like a very reliable one to archive, um, at least from my from my kind of initial initial games and initial uh, looks. Yeah, it needs six amber between both players combined, and you mm -hmm. archive it. And then you archive it. Yeah, that seems pretty good. And on top of that, you got the double Nyon outpost, so lots of uh, lots of recurring reusable uh, token generation. And on top of that, a token of appreciation feels really fun. Um, so there's some there's some shenanigans. I don't even know what a lot of these cards do, and maybe some of the listeners don't either. So just quick summary on these might be useful for the people in the podcast side. But Token of mm -hmm. Appreciation, I just saw for the first time tonight when I was looking at your deck. Um, forge a key at plus seven, minus one for each token. Uh, mm -hmm. And it also makes a token. So like that seems like a pretty good card, especially in a deck with, you said, 12 token generators here? 12 token generation generators, yeah. and at least six of them reusable in some way or another. Yeah, that's yeah. pretty awesome. Um, the deck I have with 13 also has some reusable stuff. And I played one game, uh, like a, a fishbowl game, as I call it, just against myself with, with that deck. And it was an FOF transponder. I had two of them. And I was mm -hmm. like, this card's insane. Like, it never goes away. Like, you put it on a, on a token, and your token dies, and it makes another token and it just keeps doing that and then there is uh i think it's called big magnet it's a mars action that moves all upgrades on table to a single creature so mm -hmm. you can just like put all of those fof transponders on one creature kill it and make all the tokens like and it just goes on unless they have bounce to get rid of that upgrade or some upgrade control um it seemed pretty crazy and it i actually linked the deck to you if you want to pull it up real quick um this is my namesake deck that i'm pretty happy with 13 generators and the token is scholar from the Sarian, which is just a one power dino. It says reap draw card. And when you make that many dinos, like that many tokens, I, I'm pretty excited about the potential for that. I also have the one dino that says all your tokens come into play ready. Um, mm -hmm. So there's a few ways to make them in Sarian, but that's also pretty useful for like the transponder. So like normally when your tokens enter play, they come into play exhausted. And if your opponent decides to kill your creatures and you have some transponders out, Normally, those would come into play exhausted, um, even if it's during their turn, so I wouldn't have used them. But with the Legionary Trainer on table, if they have a wipe, I can get two, two of those tokens into play ready like right away and mm -hmm. uh, use them. So it's been pretty cool. It's nice to have some efficiency through Saurian, which is something that we haven't really seen outside of Philophosaurus. Mm, so the efficiency coming from the Scholar token, yeah. And that's yeah. cool. So you can you can rule of six your token with the Transpotter if you need to fight repeatedly into something. Uh, maybe get a reap at the end if they come right? into play ready yeah you could yeah um I, there's it was only a one power it's probably not a ton you can do um mm -hmm. but yeah theoretically you could 
if you want to turn your deck, maybe if there's something to get back to you from the discard, that would be a pretty quick way to do it. Interesting. Very cool deck. And the the other thing I took away from this one is uh, Zyzok, the Mars creature. It's just a three power with skirmish and splash attack one. And uh, if it destroys a creature with its splash attack, you ready it. And I've actually, in just two games, I've had a few cases where I could almost rule of six him. He's been really effective creature control, in my opinion. Um, really cool card. Big fan of Zyzok, because there's not a ton of like major wipes, it seems, in this set. There's a lot more of a focus on fighting and good fight effects. Um, so I'm pretty pleased to see him. He's pretty cool. Zyzok looks really nice. Really nice. I'm excited about that. And I really like the Legionary Trainers, too. That's very cool with an in-house token, especially for the trainer. This is the only Saurian that I really like, the package I really liked. Um, there's one epic poem in here too, which is good. I feel like an epic poem is like a must-have in any Saurian deck. The two symposiums are also very good with the uh, with the, the scholars as well. Um, might be able to quickly rule of six and draw some more. So um, some really cool potential in here. I'm pretty excited about this one. Yeah, I, I do have I do ha- have seen a couple decks uh, from among my uh, three displays that make good use of epic poem. Couple, a couple multiple epic poem decks. Some paired with, some paired with the spider. It's been around since Coda, but I can't think of the name. Ether spider. Ether spider. So that's fun. I played against a local who had an ether spider, and he had this Mars artifact that says each of your Mars creatures gains destroyed. Stack that card underneath this artifact. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then an action to destroy the artifact and take all the creatures underneath it into your hand. And he had a Mars token with it, so he could like get all of his tokens and all of his cards back into his hand. He had um, two of the mix, the Tall Minded, which says keys are plus one for each Mars creature. Get those back. He had an Ether Spider, which obviously captures the stuff, and he has a Resonator. And he had two of those artifacts, so like his Mars just never went away. And mm-hmm. he had a decent number of token generators. Um, super cool deck, like just Mars flooding, which is awesome to see after so many sets of them being gone. Everyone yeah. loves. The good Mars flood. They're coming back in force. And I guess, I mean, this this maybe segues kind of nicely into our first uh, true content uh, prompt of the evening, right? Um, is there a token meta incoming? Like, do you think this is going to be a thing? Is it is it a gimmick? Like, what's your first impression there? First impression is that it's definitely a thing. Like, when we look at the last few sets, some of the, like, the special stats that people are interested in looking at, um, mass mutation was how many mutants do you have? And uh, Dark Tidings was how many Tide Raisers do you have? Now we're going to be looking at how many token generators do you have? And I think that question of how many token generators is a way more important one than either of those questions in Mass Mutation or Dark Tidings. I think it's going to have a way bigger impact on the meta than than Mutants, despite having like Dark Amber Vault, Kerzap, really good cards like that. I think this is huge. I really do think in my first impressions that people are going to be really seeking out decks that have 10 plus token generators especially when they have a good token involved too. I'm inclined to agree with you. And one of the things that really stood out, stood out to me and part of what prompted me to make this, this spreadsheet that we're looking at on the stream with some of the different stats among the, the decks that are, were in my pool, not only were there, did it feel like there were a number of decks that were producing large numbers of tokens. And I've got a couple in the 10 range, one in the 12 range from just just one box, right? So one box, there's already a couple that are making 10 plus tokens. But not only not only were they making lots of tokens, but also their creature count was lower. I saw a lot of 14, 15 creature count, 13 creature count decks. Overall, the average came to just uh, 15.8 as opposed to 17. But it did kind of strike me that I was seeing lots of lower creature count decks 
uh, you know, 11, 13. That might be by design with the tokens. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, so you not only get the benefit of the board presence, but you're also seeing some of these more action-y type, type cards that are, that are giving you maybe an additional rider. That kind of hit me because I was, you know, folks had been saying, well, Quixelstone's going to lose some some punch because these tokens are going to get around it. I was like, well, yeah, but you're going to have a lot of token generators that are creatures and maybe that's not such a big deal. But it's interesting to see that not only are we seeing decks putting out lots of creatures, but also probably doing so despite having lower creature counts. So, you know, yeah, we might see big boards, but you might also experience things like Scrambler Storm or Stealth Mode going up and going up in value too if if there's a slight shift in balance towards actions as well yeah it's um it is interesting to look at the lower creature counts and then also look at how much uh how many amber pips do you have and then how many tokens can you make i feel like those three you know they kind of um you're going to find some weird identities of decks i think that have a ton of tokens low creatures and then a lot of actions for pips because you have the potential of playing an action forward deck that's not focused on the board or the possibility of making a big board with tokens anyway some weird dynamics i think are going to happen with this set and i'm here for it i think it's pretty cool very cool maybe maybe a a premature segue but i've been thinking i'm sure you've been thinking about what you're going to play at the archon vault tour that's coming up in philadelphia what makes you think that i'm not playing an alliance (laughs) without 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 going one way or the other you know archon or alliance (laughs) Um, maybe you've been considering either way i thought i knew what deck i was going to be playing i've probably got three contenders but one of the ones on my short list features Quixelstone. Actually, I'd say probably two feature Quixelstone. One is really a Quixelstone deck, and the other is a deck that has Quixelstone in it. And I almost like the second one better because it kind of wants to play creatures and maybe even happier laying out a Quixelstone and letting an opponent use up its creature slots with tokens and letting me play like quote unquote real creatures, you know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. I think it's going to be a really new dynamic. I think the token meta is tokens are going to be a presence in the meta and a defining characteristic of it. And I think it's going to be uh, interesting to see how it casts a new light on things like Quixelstone. So I am going to Philly to play in the Archon Vault Tour. Mm-hmm. And I've, I, I thought I had like a short list of, you know, four decks, maybe five that I'd consider. And my hot take after playing a few games of Woe is that I'm actually like scratching off a couple of those. Kind of sad to do so. But I do think that the the tokens are really important that you can handle them. And I have some really good decks that I don't think can handle them. One of my favorites of all time, Anakim, Dark Tidings deck. So it's a rush deck, but it's a little low on the C. And I worry about that up against tokens. I've downgraded that one as a potential. Um, I do have a really good World's Collide deck with a lot of creature control that I've been kind of waiting for winds of exchange to come around because i do think it's gonna be really effective against it that's what i'm considering we had a chat the other day about chronophage and the new omega rules chronophage really kind of wrecks tokens but it makes it very tricky to play with and against i would just encourage everyone to go read the omega rules very carefully um, (laughs) because it gets kind of crazy it's it's not quite the same as i think that it used to be when like it first came out in aoa when it was a little simpler so i have a chronophage deck i'm considering and then other than that like i fully expect to strongly consider some of these ones i think a lot of people would too okay that was the next question and one from one from zock in the chat do you have any well maybe not yet any woe decks on your list for consideration but what do you think the likelihood is that you may end up playing a winds of exchange deck at the voltor i think if i had to put a number on it, i'd say it's 50 50 
whether really? I play Winds of Exchange. I do think it's that high. I haven't opened wow. anything that I'm like really that high on, but everything just feels it's always putting out threats. Like we've talked about that on the show before. Like you always have to be creating threats. And I feel like Winds of Exchange does that through larger boards, very quickly replenishing boards, pretty powerful creature effects that are on the board. Not powerful though, like like a Deacillus type powerful, but really just like consistent value from like big bodies. And you've got like some decks with like two or three brick nasties. And if you have to play creatures against those, you're in big trouble because the Brobnar stuff can get really crazy with the right synergies. And I, I think there's going to be a lot of decks uh, out there that exist in Winds of Exchange that can really have like a great package of that stuff. But not just things that rely on fighting, for example, because you can play around that. But I, I just think there's so much value around. Like We've heard rumors of like decks with 20 plus Amber Pips in them. Mm-hmm. And so like you could have all this kind of stuff. Like I, I feel like the set, the Philly Voltor is going to be like a real awakening of it because I don't think anyone knows what it's going to be like going into it. And that's super exciting. It's also a little bit scary because like someone could bring something totally broken that no one's seen before. That's pretty cool on one hand, but also it's like, man, like this is the first vault tour in over three and a half years. And it could be like this crazy meta that like <laughs> it's just all jacked by some crazy broken decks. It's on my it's on my radar of things to think about. I'd be very surprised if I ended up playing a Winds of Exchange deck. I mean, I'm open to it, certainly, if the right deck came around. Um, but yeah, I have to I have to imagine that a lot of people will, if only for the novelty of playing the new the new set at, you know, the first big event, official OP kind of kind of thing put out for a while. You know, aside from um a keyforge celebration, but the first first Voltor really. Um, I have to imagine that a lot of folks will will roll in and can kind of play whatever whatever looks fun from Winds of Exchange too. Yeah, I think there's, um, it's interesting because I'm in some other circles of Keyforge where um, some of the players have went away for like two, two and a half years. I think a lot of players who have some really great Coda and AOA decks who are great players and have amazing decks kind of left the game after Worlds Collide. And I think with the game being revived, I think we're going to see a lot of them come back as well. And so I think there's going to be a lot of old school players at the Vault Tours as well. And so I think there's going to be like a a weird mix of like players who haven't played in three years or four years, but are amazing players. And they have these old school decks like Jenka and Double Generosity, Key Abduction, things like that. Um, And then also you're going to have a lot of players like us who have like been diehards throughout the pandemic and playing on TC all the time, Um, you know, big online names, so to speak. Uh, And then you're going to have, you know, other group of players who are more casual maybe like haven't gone away and they're gonna like maybe dive right into woe so like we're gonna have a good mix i think of like some mass mutation maybe dark tidings some old school stuff and i think a lot of woe but it's gonna be so much fun to to analyze this and hopefully get some data from the first vault tour and see like what the mix is yeah totally i'm i'm really excited i'm really excited and yeah, some notes on some notes from coming from the chat. Dataforge stream saying control the weak and big disruption could do well versus well. I think that is very true. And I also think there is a place for your kind of like typical mass mutation, uh, uh, better better strategies like crush, or just uh, or just high efficiency uh, going for going for volume of cards. I've seen a lot of really really good stuff out of Woe so far, uh, but it it does efficiency differently and uh, i haven't i wouldn't say i fully like taken to the lab how our previous notions of very efficient good decks match up with very kind of efficient woe decks in the way that it does efficiency so i think that's that's that'll be interesting to see um that'll be interesting to see too 
you were showing a, a mollusk collar deck earlier. I have a mollusk collar uh-huh. deck too. And uh, how do you feel about the strange shell? It's like a creature that cannot fight or reap. It's got two armor, one power, and it has an action. You can take it back into your hand. Um, that to me, like just looking at it, looks like the different kind of efficiency that you're referring to, where you're not just drawing cards or you're not just archiving cards, but you're making these tokens to cycle your deck faster. And then you have something like a strange shell that will let you very selectively pick and choose which cards you want back into your hand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, there are a lot of really interesting opportunities for deck crafting and hand crafting. The strange shell, I'm very curious to see how this plays out. I mean, big windfalls of cards on the back of uh, uh, coming right on the back end of a big token appreciation key for for discount. I mean, could be could be really strong, and paired with a lot of, uh, frankly, what I I wouldn't be surprised to see, you know, impressive disruption out of Unfathomable in this set. I mean, I think this is like this is a big set for Unfathomable. I mean, it feels like I I don't know where we rated it on our uh, on our list of houses before. We might be embarrassed if we go back and check. <laughs> I'm going back and check right now. I want to see. I think I had it pretty high. Um, I did go just look at this earlier too. Um, here it is: Winds of Exchange hot takes. Um, you had Unfathomable third. I had them second. So okay. I feel like we're appropriately high on it. I was pretty high on Equidon too. I, I don't know. I've only opened one Equidon deck so far, so I don't I don't know details or information to kind of change my opinion. Um, Unfathomable, you're right. Like the disruption looks really insane there. Like um, there's a card uh, that says like destroy your own creature. If you do, you look at opponent's hand and discard a card from it. Like mm-hmm. that's insane. Like such a strong ability. And then you combine that with some of the other actions that's like name a house, your opponent can't play cards from other houses. Like that's another insane ability. Like the things that it can do, like it has these different types of uh disruption. I think it's the best disruption we've seen since Coded Is. So Abyssal Sight is the destroy a friendly creature, and if you do you look at your opponent's hand, choose a card from it and they discard it. And then Befuddle, yes, is the choose a house and then a choose a house on your opponent's identity card. And during their next turn, they cannot play cards of other houses. So no Whirlpool and choose a, an off house shenanigans with this one. Um, but you can still kind of really constrain their options out of hand to get out of a tight spot. Um, yeah, I in, my, in the 12 or so decks that I've opened have seen Unfathomable pods, I guess we'll say, that feature multiple of both. Um, and it's just like, oof, these are, yeah. these are going to come out in force. Yeah. And there's still the illusions of grandeur, which is a different type of disruption slash like maybe rush, um, some crazy stuff. Yeah. Um, the deck you're showing also has a back to the efficiency for a second. It, um, kaboom. You might think kaboom is not really efficiency, but if you have a bunch of Mars tokens and there are like a bunch of random cards, like, you know, five, six of them. You play Kaboom, you suddenly archive all of those random cards along with your Mars creatures. Um, and you gain three chains. Like To me, this might be the best wipe in the set. I'm not sure. Um, this card has been really good for me so far. And if you have a lot of ways to make tokens, it gets even better. It actually like, really makes up for those three chains immediately in that efficiency. Yeah, definitely not definitely not going to disagree with you. I uh, I think yeah, the, 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 the wipe capabilities, I mean, we have... The Brobnar one, that's very good. Uh, Champion's Challenge is also present. I like that one, but that's a good one. There's potential for abuse in Kaboom. Actually, funny, my Champions, the one deck I think that I have opened Champion's Challenge uh, in has a legacy loot the bodies, which is kind of fun. Yes. <laughs> fun retro combo. Um, it is. Uh, but yeah, I like Kaboom a lot. I, I think I'm happy to see one 
I feel like multiples I would be maybe not as pumped about. Yeah, I agree with that. It's good to have that, though. I, I think I've found in 10 or so decks that it's kind of harder to find wipes and harder to find a lot of targeted C, uh, mm-hmm. which I think is, you know, y- you do have to focus more on fighting. Um, and I think this is a super, I hope this is a super healthy direction for the game. I do have a bit of a worry that they overshot the power in the set a bit. And that's just a very early opinion. And I've literally not played cross set yet at all. It's all been like in set, but I've had so many like bursty turns where I'm either able to like wipe the board and build a huge board, or I'm able to make a ton of Amber. Um, There's, it's just able to do things that feel like if I could do these, you know, in older sets, it would be very strong. It's, it's interesting. And this was kind of a question I had for us to consider too. I did. They, I mean, it makes a lot of sense for them to push the power level. It's the first set, first set since this, the game has been on hiatus. Uh, we want folks to be excited, cracking new decks that are going to be relevant, right? So it makes a whole lot of sense. There are definitely a lot of cards that are visibly upgrades, right? Like Infomorph looks pretty shabby next to the the, the plethora of three three upgraded creature, right? Like Gloriana's Attendant. Like, okay, there is just a better like two Amber Pip upgrade plus another thing you know mm-hmm. like and isn't it like on a three or a four power creature uh, i was talking to my, my brother earlier too and he kind of commented like i don't have the raw stats you know we were looking at small data sets here but it does feel like overall creature power may have bumped up a little bit too often i mean often my token feels like the, the, the weakest thing on board um, which is usually what happens when I have like three copies of Pale and Insignificance. <laughs> yeah, there is a lot of um, anti-synergy in the set too, I will say. Particularly around the board control, yeah. for me it feels. Adult Swim was another one. You know, mm-hmm. typically with Adult Swim, you're going to have a lower power tokens on the board. Kind of messes them up too. Um, at least you're not necessarily drawing back into creatures like you would. Um, but it just puts all creatures of power three or less on top of each player's deck and um but yeah that and pale into insignificance um they're really like i don't know they they feel like they are hitting yourself more than your opponent especially if your opponent's not playing winds of exchange it feels like it feels like one you're gonna have to work to maximize on i mean we probably would have said the same thing about infighting maybe not maybe not i think adult swim and pale into insignificance from my initial ones look look like a little bit more foot gunny then yeah i'd probably compare them to regrettable meteor they feel like okay. regrettable meteor, where it's like, as a Saurian card, you're like, okay, this is probably going to hit all my Saurian creatures, um, with some exceptions. But uh, yeah, that's kind of what it feels like. And you know, regrettable meteors find sometimes uh, in a pinch, or maybe it's a discard, or you know, at least it's a pip or something like that. But um, I do get the same feeling from the exchange. So this is interesting. Um, I am looking at this deck, um, this Mollus Collar deck with the triple Hieron. Uh, obviously the strange shell coming in as the token has power of one. It's going to get tucked with um, adult swim. Um, but outside of that, a lot of your unfathomable creatures that are low powered are probably coming with um, poisonous or poison too, um, which is kind of neat, right? Just, just kind of going through quickly here. I've got the skullback crab and I guess if I'm gearing up to play uh, adult swim okay i could steal one more or i could run it into a larger creature that would survive and not gum up my draws but everything else unfathomable wise is a, is a higher but 
but yeah, totally. I, I have a lot of like, okay, uh, this is a this is a cleric deck or a disciple deck, and there's like, yeah, two copies of Pale and Insignificance plus Adult Swim. <laughs> like, well, okay. <laughs> or like, uh, is uh, did they bring Warriors Refrain back? Stun each creature of power three or less. I don't remember Warriors Re- yeah. Refrain. I feel like there's a few other ones that really affect low power creatures that are kind of a bummer in the set with with tokens. But you know, like that's that's uh part of the balance. You know, like not everything's going to be perfect synergy and um all good cards you know you need to have bad cards and it's been a a hallmark of keyforge is that the bad cards are actually like great design because you're never going to have a deck full of 36 great cards you're always going to have to figure out what to do with that bad penny yeah totally i mean i think one of the uh i'm sure i've said this like six times at this point but one of the things that i fell in love with first about the game was uh it's artwork and overall aesthetic but also um the fact that you had to make do with some of these bad cards and it really felt like yeah early 90s magic the gathering where you couldn't just look up the best list and buy them and fill them out it was like no you you played with whatever you happened to have opened and you had some bad cards in there but but you you rolled with it you know you rolled yeah. with it <laughs> yeah you and i talked a lot about um borrowing some topics for this podcast from Mark Rosewater and a lot of his design mm-hmm. articles. And I remember reading one about the importance of bad cards in a CCG and, and specifically Magic the Gathering. And this is a different type of game. You know, there's different reasons for bad cards, but um, just reading that really kind of opened up, you know, my thoughts to, you know, why do we have bad cards and what benefits could they could they have? And, you know, instead of just looking at it like this is a bad card, they shouldn't have made it and move on. There's actually valid reasons to make bad cards in, in various games. And I believe the example he gave for Magic the Gathering was you have to make bad cards because when you have these creative players who are trying to look at something, they're like, man, this card's really bad. But like, what could I do with it? And they think mm-hmm. about it and they have to figure out what to do with it. And sometimes they're just bad cards and there's nothing to do with it. But that possibility um, of like some cards you need to just take time to figure out uh, really kind of deepens the game for a lot of people. And when you do find one of those cards that is looks bad, but it actually has some really cool synergies you can build with it, it's that much more. And I think there's similar things in Keyforge happening. Like um, you have Carl that has a Soul Snatcher and bad. Or do you have a bad penny? You don't have a bad penny in there. I wish you, you wish had you had a bad penny. penny. Yeah. So like that kind of stuff is like, it's kind of the same principle where it's like, man, this card is really terrible and I wish it wasn't in here. And then you realize, holy crap, I actually have a great combo with this bad card. And that's like just a great thing about the game. A bit of a aside branching off from Woe, but I, I think it's relevant here too. Totally. And I mean, Woe is going to be a thing that folks are bringing to Adaptive once, you know, it's a thing on TCO and you know, I'm sure the next Kagi League is going to feature plenty of Woe decks. Like, having things like pale in- insignificance or adult swim plus low uh, low power token is a thing you're going to have to wrestle with when the deck gets shipped to you and uh and so they provide opportunities for testing skill they also provide opportunities for you know learning what's a good card and what's a bad card uh so you know if they're all good there's nothing to learn and uh yep. we need some some gradation in the in the power level for sure yeah not that adult swim is bad it's actually a great card oh yeah Um, for sure you just have to be careful when you play it so yeah in terms of you know did they push the power level too far i'm not sure i think that this i think the set's doing some very strong things and i'm very excited about some of the things that i've opened so far uh i don't i'm definitely not at the point where i'm like okay we've we've invalidated all prior sets 
and there's nothing nothing kind of relevant to play anymore. I've definitely feel like my top what I considered my top decks are still well, still going to be kind of relevant and uh, and and uh, archon worthy, uh, sea worthy. Um, at least given what I've said so far, but you know, there are a lot of folks very, very hot on woe being better by press sets than a wide margin. And we'll see how it shakes out. You know, yeah. maybe, maybe we'll be <laughs> wondering how we could have missed the boat <laughs> on, uh, after, after, uh, Voltor Philly when we just all got creamed by, by some big token nonsense. Maybe, uh, more applicable to a lot of the viewers if they can't make it to Philly or other Voltors is, uh, I know we have a lot of NKFL players here. Um, mm-hmm. how many of your Hexad decks do you think next season for NKFL starts August 7th? So there is still some time to sign up trying to, to set the record again for most, um, participants. So if you're listening and you haven't played before, um, this is a great time. It's an awesome league. We talk about it a lot. Um, the NKFL podcast has a lot of detail on strategy in, in it, and we've talked about it a few times, but, um, with the six decks, I, I have a feeling that a lot of people are going to be bringing at least two or three Winds of Exchange decks to the Hexad as well. And it wouldn't be an episode of the Bottom of the Beaker if we didn't talk about Rector. Does Rector get better or worse in a, in a WoW meta? <laughs> uh, I haven't even thought about that. I don't think it's I don't think it's worse, but I don't I don't know if I'd say it's better either. It still it still has things like the Coward's End. Um, I think larger boards, even if filled with one power creatures, does slow down Gang or not uh so there's certain things like that um yeah I'd, I'd have to think about that more and maybe uh maybe you and not tonight could play some games by post against your winds of exchange to figure that out Ooh, maybe maybe we will we've been we've been enjoying those for sure and definitely in those games that we've been playing by post uh it has struck me how quickly boards refill i don't know if you've been following along at all but it's like okay i'm gonna wipe your board <laughs> i have a confession also... <laughs> to make jt um, you haven't been following along no in our, our team's Discord server. You have one channel muted. Don't even I say have, it. I have one channel muted. <laughs> it's the play-by-post channel. I'm it's sorry. not even the like bot spam channel. It's that one. <laughs> I might have that one muted too, actually. So I, yeah, maybe I do. But I, I just couldn't follow like the play-by-post. It was just like, it was chaotic to me. And, it, you know, I mean, I'm not in the game. Like you have your game set up. You're in, in the game space for it. Um, mm-hmm. But as a viewer, like, you know, would you find it very exciting to not have a board set up and watch two other people play a play-by-post game of chess i mean studying studying play-by-post chess games is definitely a thing i wonder if there's um wonder if there's a way that we can make it more viewer friendly or if that's even something to strive for like you could imagine having threads for like your updates and maybe the main post is like the picture of the end state or something and then if you want to scroll through as an observer you're like okay like picture 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 dig in that's a cool thing. idea maybe yeah i don't know like a picture of the board state at the start of the turn, end of the turn, and then mm-hmm. just thread inside that to say everything. You yeah, do. yeah, that could be good. Could be good. We'll see. Uh, or, or we'll just keep doing what we're doing and enjoying it. We'll see. Yeah, uh, I'm glad that that not tonight gets to play with and against the winds of exchange. Crushing me right now. Uh, at least in the last one, it was it was brutal. Uh, so we'll see. And she's only got one to pull from. What's going on here? I don't know. Stack deck. I don't know. Yes, I, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, it's. I, I hope everyone gets their winds of exchange soon. Um, I know we have a couple friends that still haven't got their email notifications yet. Very disappointing. Kind of crazy. Um, I, I have a local friend here in the U.S. who hasn't got his email notification yet either. So mm-hmm. um, I don't know if anyone knows if um, the the highest tier, I forget what it was called in the game found, 
Um, maybe those ones haven't gone out yet at all, which would be kind of surprising. Does anyone know? I don't want to spread rumor. Maybe there's someone someone in the chat uh, has no better with with authority. Um, but at the risk of spreading rumor, I, I heard that uh, they were working through the Ghost Galaxy folks caught maybe some like QC issues with some of the decks that were uh, from the name decks. And they're like, hang on, we got to, we got to, we got to fix this. And if you were in that group of folks uh, for where they, where they caught this thing, then, uh, then it was being, it was taking a little longer. That could be complete garbage. I heard it somewhere. It's now, okay, we got, uh, we got DataForge stream. If, if DataForge stream heard it too, it's as good as fact. It's not yeah. just a sloppy fact. I didn't believe you, but fact. now that DataForge stream <laughs> says it, I, it's probably true. Yeah. Yeah. So I suspect it may be something along those lines. Um, and I'm also sure that the Ghost Galaxy folks are swamped and frantically trying to get all their ducks in a row. I mean, we have we have nine ducks and they don't stay in a row. So they got no. a lot of ducks. <laughs> they, they do not, especially that Crusader duck. That Crusader duck. The worst duck will not get in line. Getting rows, yeah. Cool. Well, I have uh, I I have one deck that I I just need to gush about a little bit, if that's okay. Absolutely. Okay. Um. Uh. It is a twelve artifact deck. Twelve artifacts. That's insane. That's that's nuts, right? Like we just played we just played the ABR league where the cutoff for a janky artifact deck was seven artifacts. This one has twelve. Twelve quick yeah. draw. Um. And my favorite part about it is that it had two copies of uh, the the new artifact, Celestial Celestial something, Celestial Gorm. It has two copies of Celestial Gorm uh, and two copies of the key cost increasing artifact. Oh, geez. Uh, heavy um, subsidies. So two yeah. copies of heavy subsidies. Keys are 18, if you please. 18. I uh, care not for your Amber Pips exalting. Uh, is a is a fraction of the of the risk, right? Um, and not only that, uh, but it's got Ma- uh, Martyr of the Vault to uh, to bring your opponent down to five amber. So you were working on getting to eighteen, sir, but no, you are at five now. Thank you very much. And not only that, but there's a light everlasting to That's bring awesome. things back down. Uh, yeah, crazy, to playing this crazy one. deck. Like twelve <laughs> is just so many artifacts. I don't even Lots know what to think artifacts. about that. Um, mm-hmm. I have very few that have seven that qualify for Jank Week. I mean, I, I have you know enough to make some decent choices, but it's less than ten, and this like blows that out of the wall. Yeah, uh, it was uh, it was it was very strange and, and an outlier too among among the ones I was looking at. I mean, I averaged uh, what four point two and change, you know, four and change artifacts summon the seven range. Uh, but yeah, twelve was, twelve was quite high. Um, yeah, yeah. So looking forward to that. Um, I guess cool. while we're on the, while we're on the topic of stats, you know, rattle off a couple others. Um, uh, so across the three displays that I opened, I also saw three anomalies. So I was hitting one anomaly per box, which is pretty cool. Uh, same for Mavericks. Uh, uh, three Mavericks per box, and one of the, one of those decks had two Mavericks in it, and I only counted it once. So three decks with Mavericks in them um, across those displays and six legacies. So pretty cool. And I did not open any, um, did not op- any open any antiquities 
Steelers. That's a bummer. That's one that That's I'm really looking for. Yeah, that'd be cool. My brother opened two of them. Two of them. What a jerk. Now what in stereo, jerk. I think, has one for a namesake deck. Yeah, that's super that's cool. Really cool. Yeah, and he has a, an anomaly in there, too. I, I don't remember if it was lateral shift. It might have been. Yep, it was a lateral shift. I, yeah. One of mine was a lateral shift, which is actually in the high disruption, um, unfathomable package that I was describing before. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. Man, that's like an unfathomable card on crack. You know, like there's yeah. some unfathomable cards that like look through their hand and discard the one we talked about earlier, but like look through their hand and play it with a lateral shift is still like the king of disruption. It's just insanely good. So listen to this deck quick draw. Two copies of Befuddle. That's the uh, pinpointed discard, right? Targeted discard by the sacrifice a creature. Two copies of Abyssal Sight. Um, I'm sorry, this one. Abyssal Sight is the discard, right? Uh, two copies of Befuddle, which is the downgraded control a week, right? Uh, as well as two copies of Bubbles uh, and a lateral shift and a lateral shift on Sorian. Um, there was an interesting trick here too. I forget what it was, but it was kind of replaying with the bubbles with, I want to say, I may have been a different deck. I think it was an Equidon deck that lets you play a non-Equidon creature if you bounce a creature uh, that kind of kept looping bubbles. But anyway, double bubbles, huh. double Abyssal Sight, double Befuddle, and uh, uh, the one that prevents, da, 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 da. well, well, we'll cut it there. But yeah, and a lateral shift. Um, so awesome. very cool. Very cool. I'm very happy to see that anomalies are a little bit higher rate. I opened like one ever in Worlds Collide. Um, and it's kind of a bummer. Like you want to open that fun stuff. Um, even though like lateral shifts and some of these other ones are extremely powerful cards, you still want them a little bit more often in Worlds Collide. Yeah, and a sad cleric for token. Yeah, was that, so do you recall, was that a, um, was that something that was part of the Game Found campaign that they were going to bump up the, the rate uh, of sp- the spawn rate for anomalies? You know or? what? You, someone had mentioned that earlier today, and and I didn't know that, or I didn't remember that, but it does ring a bell, and I don't remember. I'd have to go through all the stretch goals to see if that was something that was in there. Maybe someone in the chat knows. I wouldn't be able to look. Um, mm-hmm. That does sound a little bit fam- familiar. I mean, definitely whether or not there would be anomalies was one of the stretch goals that we hit, and that could just be what I'm remembering. Um, but either way, uh, super cool one. Uh, I does feel like I was seeing uh, Mavericks a little bit, a little bit higher too, but maybe one per box is about right. I yeah. don't know. That's I just probably remember, a little uh, higher. Yeah, a little higher. I just remember in the Worlds Collide era, I think I was in you know hundred decks before I saw an anomaly. I don't know. I had one of my first box of Worlds Collide, and I don't think I opened one after that. So, one in twenty-five data for stream says the Mavericks used to be. So, um, there's more things that force them now like frost giant can force either a legacy or a maverick or maybe both uh and then antiquities dealer forces mavericks legacy mavericks um so there's more things like that that kind of bump it up but i do think in general just like natural mavericks might also be up a little yeah so i I think if i don't know how close we are to wrapping this up um i want to throw a curveball at you and i want you to just decide let me know what you think here since obviously we can't play winds of exchange yet in tco it would be a little weird for us to play a, a non winds of exchange game so like what if we did a live opening freshy instead of playing the game and it, I, I don't think that'd be something terribly interesting to the podcasters 
But if anyone <laughs> wants to stick around and watch us open one of these, we can do that. Or if you want, we can play a game. I'm I'm up for opening. And actually, I may I may crack a uh, I may crack an Unchained deck. Why that not? Sounds fun. So let's do let's do freshies. Uh, you want the honors first? I can uh, do that. Yeah, we got a. We wrap- yeah, we got we got a few sponsors. We got to get to first. We got we got our sponsors. Um, yeah, I don't think I had any other any other big 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 points to hit. I mean, this one was kind of kind of for fun, kind of to uh, just just roll around and enjoy some of the goodness that's rolling in and and celebrate that with all our folks who are here. And uh, let's. Let's hear from our sponsor and, and move on, I guess, unless you had anything else you wanted to... We, we touched on it all. Hopefully it was interesting for a lot of you guys. It was um, a really cool week of discovery for me with this set. Um, I, I went on vacation. I got I got my package and I immediately went on vacation. And so I could think about it, but I only opened a couple decks before leaving. So this whole week here so far since I got home has been about like opening one or two a day um, and just kind of reading up on it and kind of refreshing myself. So it's been really exciting. Hopefully you guys can all get your your cards soon and uh, enjoy it with it. Right well, how about how about uh, tell us your favorite your favorite name that you've gotten so far among your namesake ones? Uh, among the namesakes, yeah, that's a good one. I let me pull these up. I had um, I think my favorite one it was inexorably magnificent Mateo. Nice, I dig I am, it. I'm, I'm digging that one. The deck is pretty good too. Um, it does have Saurian, but uh, it's, it's still a cool deck. <laughs> are, are we going to see another Saurian deck tonight? That's the question. Yeah. I almost definitely yes. Um, nice. Uh, I'm going to say so. I collectively uh, refer to my children as the Russell Sprouts. Uh, so Love that super cool name. Yeah. So we got. Uh, I got a deck uh, with Russell Sprouts seated as uh, part of the name, and Mutant Russell Sprouts was what came out, and pretty sweet. Yeah, that's very fitting. Uh, I wish I got more creative with the name and naming, like you did. That's that's a great idea. I would have gone for more, more just kind of straight up Russell, but Russell's already in the algorithm, so I was like, yeah, gotta, I got to mix it up a little bit. Didn't want to go for something that could could spawn naturally, you know. Okay, cool. Well, I want you all to know that this episode of Bottom of the Beaker is brought to you by Buzzle Puffs Honeycomb Cereal. Uh, the perfect way to start your day in the crucible. Buzzle Puffs, a buzzworthy breakfast for all your key needs. Very nice. Thank you, Buzzle Puffs. Thanks, Buzzle Puffs. Thanks, Buzzle Puffs. And uh, folks should also know that we record Bottom of the Beaker live right here on twitch.tv slash sloppy lab work Tuesdays at 9.30 Eastern. Come join us uh, or and and uh, check out recordings of our past uh, shows and other streams over on YouTube, youtube.com. Search for at sloppy lab work there. Mmm, <laughs> Buzzle Puffs, indeed. Uh, and for the very best content, scrape from the bottom of the beaker. Thirty-four? Uh, uh, no, 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 fifty-seven times. Uh, search for that phrase in your podcatcher of choice, and you'll find us there, sharing in the woe with you. Any other words for the folks getting off the last audio stop here? Quick uh, you know, it's it still amazes me that you forget how many times you need to scrape it from the bottom of the beaker every week. You know, like you have this great thing written out and you know what you're doing and then you just forget that number every single time it's kind of weird um so everyone including ujt just stay sloppy stay sloppy we should do an episode on memory <laughs>